I'm super fascinated by mentalists. Anytime I see them perform, my mind is blown. I was watching Netflix and I saw this guy guess someone's entire phone number. I'm like, is he really reading someone's mind? Are they putting thoughts into your head? How can this be possible? And more importantly, can this be learned? Today, I'm learning how to be a mentalist. My guest expert is a legend in the business. His name is Banachek. He's one of the most famous mentalists in the world with appearances on 50 major TV shows. He was awarded College Entertainer of the Year and received Psychic Entertainer's Creativity Award. He appeared on and produced over 100 episodes of Chris Angel's Mind Freak and has consulted most major magicians including David Copperfield, Penn & Teller, and David Blaine. He's 100% the man to learn from. And the first thing I want to know from Banachek is, what is mentalism? Yeah, mentalism is a subset of magic. Uh, most mentalists don't like you to think that because basically what they do is they take their five known senses to create the illusion of a sixth sense. In other words, what they do is they duplicate what psychic phenomena would look like if it was real. In the early days of mentalism, the majority of mentalists wanted people to believe that they were truly psychic, that they could actually read your minds. And then I came along and I just felt like a lie was a lie was a lie. And a lot of that had to go with my background because when I started out in mentalism, we can go back to this in just a little bit, I didn't know that there was such a thing as a subset of magic called mentalism. All I knew is that there were people that were conning scientists and other people uh, using magic tricks. And uh, so I started creating my own effects that simulated psychic phenomena and convincing people that I was truly a psychic. But I always felt like it was a lie. And I knew at some point I wanted to go into a laboratory, convince scientists that I was a genuine psychic to come out and say that it was a hoax. And there was a reason for that. We can touch on Project Alpha in just a second, too. Banachek is so skilled at his craft, one time he was literally able to fool scientists into believing he had actual supernatural powers. Early in Banachek's career, he participated in Project Alpha, which was a research experiment conducted at Washington University. Scientists studied him perform various psychic abilities like bend metal objects and control clocks with his mind. The experiment lasted two years before he finally admitted he was just using tricks he created. Um, but um, I was able to do that back then, but then after that I had to figure out a way, how can I be an honest mentalist, like how can I be an honest liar? In other words, how can I lie to my audiences when I'm performing, but at the same time let them know that this isn't real? So I started going with the psychological approach, that everything I did was psychology, but again, a lie is a lie is a lie, and it wasn't it really isn't pure psychology, right? Because we're using verbal, nonverbal communication. We're using magic, lots of magic, uh, to simulate this phenomena. And and so I, I started coming up with, okay, we take our five known senses to create the illusion of a sixth sense. And that is exactly what we do. We use physical, we use visual, we use verbal, uh, we use auditory to create these illusions that we do. So um, to answer your question simply, which I haven't done, um, we basically simulate what real psychic phenomena would look like if it was real. Many techniques used by mentalists are the same trickery used by people who claim to be psychic. 
cold reading, for example, relies on what psychologists call the Barnum Effect. The Barnum Effect is saying broad and general statements that seem to the subject you're reading their mind, when in actuality, the statements could apply to anyone. People will always interpret their own personal meaning, thus further validating the message in their cold reading. The people giving the cold reading get such positive feedback, it could lead them to believe they have actual psychic abilities, when in fact, it's just human nature playing it out. Studies on this show, humans tend to accept any personality feedback as true, as long as they believe it was created specifically for them. think when you get into fortune telling and tarot cards and those type of things those people do but inherently a lot of those people go into that believing that there is something to that already that there is inherently something psychic about there that's something paranormal about those cards they have some kind of sort of uncanny power um i have a very good friend who's a skeptic by the name of ray hyman and i've told this story in the past and it's a perfect example of this so ray was a skeptic didn't believe in this type of stuff he actually gave lectures on what was going on but then he thought you know what if I'm going to do this, I need to learn how to read tarot cards. I should actually go ahead and do that um, so I can have that experience for myself. So I, I, I'm actually talking from a place of uh, experience rather than knowledge. So he got himself a deck of tarot cards and he started giving readings. And after a while, he started getting all this positive feedback from people to the point where he started convincing himself that there must be something going on that I don't understand. And it wasn't until another skeptic friend said to him, now keep in mind, Ray's very, very ethical. He's a very ethical human being. A friend said to him, said, hey, Ray, how about you give somebody a reading? Take that same reading and give it to like 10 or 20 other people and see what kind of feedback. Now, this created an ethical dilemma for Ray because Ray was like, well, that wouldn't be ethically right. That reading isn't meant for them. But in the name of science, he went ahead and did it anyway. And he started getting more positive feedback from the people that the reading was not meant for than the people that it was at, the person that it was actually meant for. So at that point, he sort of started realizing what was going on. So yeah, a lot of these people do that. I think a lot of people as performers, when we start performing, we do certain things. We, when I perform, I know, for instance, that I have very specific information about a person in some sort of secret trick way, right? So what I will do is I will often take chances. I might know that this person has just moved to a brand new apartment. But I might throw in there, um, I get the feeling that you moved recently and maybe you moved to the second floor. The fact that they, they, you know, whether if they moved to the second floor, that is information somehow I wouldn't be able to know in any form, matter whatsoever, because I haven't told anybody. If that hits, fantastic. But if it doesn't hit, just the fact that I knew that they had moved and maybe I knew the apartment number or something like that, that is a big enough hit. But a lot of times you start getting very intuitive with people to where you start to read people. When you do this time and time and time again, especially when you're doing cold reading. And cold reading is when you're just throwing out information that you don't know. You get very, very good at it. The more you do it, the better you get at it. So it's very easy to start to convince yourself when you start getting all this positive feedback that maybe there's some sort of psychic thing going on as well along with the trickery that you're performing. Mentalists have keen observational skills and the ability to use this to establish accurate theories about people. A good mentalist can go far beyond basic body language and read micro-expressions. 
microexpression is a very brief, involuntary facial expression that humans make when experiencing an emotion. They usually last a fraction of a second and can't be faked. To read microexpressions, the face is broken down into quadrants. One easy microexpression to pick up on is the wrinkles around the eyes during a smile. Only one out of every ten people can fake this. So a smile missing crow's feet indicates they're only pretending to be happy. Another indicator is the duration of the smile. A real smile lasts between 3 to 6 seconds. A fake smile will last much longer. In a show, I think you should have a roller coaster of um, effects, right? And what I mean by that, there should be highs, there should be lows. There should be moments where you're rushing about the stage. There should be moments when you're sitting in a chair. I tend to have a lot of nervous energy on stage. So there are a couple of effects where we try to hone that down just a little bit because I don't want to be this frenetic person going all across the stage, although that is part of who and what I am, and it's part of what my pacing is. And sometimes directors have tried to stop that in certain effects, and then they realize, oh, that's how he tends to memorize things. That's how he tends to deliver his lines and that, is that nervous pacing. So you've got to find this really nice sort of even balanced way about yourself on stage. A lot of people, mentalists, when they're starting out, they say, what should I look at? You know, how should I train to be a mentalist? And I tell them, look, first thing, go take a look at evangelists. Evangelists know those highs, they know those lows. They know how to have people crying, they know how to have people laughing. They know when to get really frenetic across the stage and then when to bring it down really low. And it's interesting, right? It's theater. But it's theater in such a way that it feels like it's real. It doesn't feel like it's forced. And I think sometimes with mentalism, it can feel like it's being forced. A good mentalist is an expert at engaging attention. During his performance, you'll notice Banachek's speed and slow his delivery, accentuating important moments while addressing his audience. This type of pacing has a subconscious effect on your mind. Neurolinguistic programming calls this analog marking. Analog marking can be behavioral with body language or by adjusting your imitation making your voice faster, slower, louder, quieter, at the right moments, will tell the listener's unconscious mind this is a part we need to pay attention to. I like to come off more as a pure mentalist. I want to look like I'm really psychic on stage, and I want my show to keep moving. The very first thing when I come out on stage is I don't introduce myself. I introduce myself with an effect. I come out and I say, if I was to ask everyone to think of a playing card, you might think ace of spades, queen of hearts. It's going to be something we all have in common, human psychology. Everybody get a card in your mind. You stand, you stand, you stand, you stand. Take a look at the two ladies. Their hands are close to their body. They're hugging themselves. It's indicative of, of a red card. Is your card red? Is your card red? Yes. Men tend to hide their hands. That gentleman has his hands in his pocket. That usually means it's a black card. Is it a black card? Yes. And I go very quickly into revealing what their cards are. By doing that, I've captured the attention of the audience like, oh my God, this guy is good. How the hell did he do that? And not just that, they know now know that I'm a mind reader. They now know that I'm using some psychology in my show as well. So I've all, all, by, by giving them a demonstration, I've really answered a whole lot of questions. Now I can slow down just a little bit. Now I can talk about myself. Principle of Nine is a concept used by magicians and mentalists for hundreds of years. It relies on a simple fact that you learned in grade school. If you find the ultimate sum of digits of any multiple of nine, 
you will always get 9 again. Knowing this information can help you devise magic tricks that make it appear you're reading a person's mind when in fact you're just using simple probabilities to guess their answer. Here's an example of a mind reading trick applying the principle of 9. Ask someone to think of a number between 1 and 10. Now multiply that number by 9. Next, ask them to add the digits of the number they just got together and subtract that number by 5. No matter what their original number was, their final answer will always be 4. You know this because any number between 1 and 10 when multiplied by 9, the sum of its digits is always 9 again. Now that you know their answer is 4, ask them to assign a letter to their number. A is 1, B is 2, C is 3, D is 4. Since you already know their letter is D, ask them to think of a country in Europe that starts with the letter D. Since there are a limited number of countries in Europe that start with D, the chances are they'll always say Denmark. You didn't read their mind, you just limited their mind's options by using the principle of 9. Now there's nothing wrong with what we call mental magic, if that's what you're going for, because we're all entertainers, right? But keep in mind, if that's your character and you're call, you know, you're going to be a mental magician, then that's okay. And what I mean by that, that's when it comes off looking like it's a trick. And usually that will happen with people who come from a magic background. I, I think I'm the only mentalist that's out there that comes from a background where I started out as a mentalist and I didn't start as a magician. And mental thinking and, and magician thinking are two different things. I had an effect years ago with my friend uh, Scott Wells. And uh, Scott is the one that I started writing the books with, and we, we published Psychological Subbing Series, and uh, a lot of us love the radio magic, and, and uh, even the metal bending, I did that with Scott back in the day. And um, I came up with this one effect, and it used homonyms, and homonyms are like words that sound the same, uh, like the word right, R-W-I-T-E, R-I-T-E, R-I-G-H-T, and stuff like that. Um, and, and we had, like, every, every time I tried to find a homonym, I could only find ones that only had four different versions of them. But this list had five places that could be forced. And, and you didn't know which, which one of those positions. It was always going to be a multiple of nine because it used the nine principle. But you didn't know which one was going to be forced. So in the fifth position, which would rarely ever get selected, I put the word ripe, R-I-P-E. Because I would go, thinking a word, I'm getting the word ripe, no, right. And if I got a hit from their eyes on the word ripe, I knew that's what it was, right? But I, I could make it seem like I'm getting the word, uh, is it ripe? No, right. And so I would do the hit that way. That sounded more psychic to me. Now I ask Banachek if he can walk us through a mentalism trick that he teaches in his book that we can all try to master on our own. Yeah, so the book is called Psychophysiological Thought Reading, right? And what that basically means is you're lying over your body um, and you read those cues. And here's the thing, right? If somebody really truly is willing to work with you, if they hide something anywhere in a room, and the best way to start out is by having them put it in one of the four corners of the room and hiding it somewhere. Maybe you put four teacups in the corner, different corners of the room, and they take a dollar bill or a $10 bill or a $100 bill. A $100 bill would be more focused for them, I would think. So you take a $100 bill, roll it up into a ball. You step out of the room. They place it under one of the cups. And now what you do is you take a hold of their wrist or they take a hold of your, your wrist. And then what you do is you take your other hand and you say, I want you with your mind to try to make this hand touch that cup. 
And then you start moving your hand back and forth, back and forth. And as you're doing that, you're subtly moving the hand or the wrist that they're, they're holding onto as well at the same time in the same motions. If they're truly, really concentrating on your free hand, truly wanting that hand to touch the cup, you will feel subtle resistance. Resistance means you don't go in that direction. But if you feel no resistance, it means you go in that direction. But sometimes you're just going to have to start walking around the room and get them moving. And, and, and basically their mind is letting you know exactly where that object is hidden. And it works. I mean, it, it is something that absolutely works. And you get so good at it that you can start picking out words in a book. And, and you can take it in so many other different directions. But it is the same thing that enables uh, table tilting. And table tilting was very popular in the 1800s where tables would walk across the floor. It's the same things that why Ouija boards work and answer questions because it's really answering the subconscious mind of the people at the table. And it's happening with very uh, imperceptible muscle movements that's causing the glass to move. I want to thank Banachek for coming on. He shared so much great information about mentalism. Go to his website, Banachek.com. See his tour dates and get his book, Psychological Subtleties. I had a lot of fun doing this episode. I hope you guys got some value out of it too. I've been Michael Q. Now I'm going to go find something new to learn.